Thank you for tuning in. This is Pastor George here at Tuolumne Community Baptist Church. Today, we're starting um, 1 Corinthians chapters 2 and 3. We're going to try to cover both chapters. They're not very long, so don't be too worried. Um, but they, I think they belong together. It's like when chapter 2 finishes, it's kind of right in the middle of a thought that it go, continues on in chapter 3. So go get your Bibles and follow along and listen to how the Apostle Paul is addressing the church that had developed many, many problems. Kind of sounds familiar, huh? Churches today seem to develop many problems. Well, it's why? Because we're people. If you think you've found that perfect church where everybody's happy and everybody's normal and everything's the way it should be, I would say probably don't join that church because you'll ruin it. We're all people, and churches have issues. They have problems. That's what the church is. It's the, the big hospital that we come to to get healing and release from uh, pressures and things that uh, this human life just brings. Well, today, we're going to be looking at these two chapters, and I hope that you enjoy. So go get your Bibles. Follow along. I wanted to make a quick announcement. Uh, February 13th is coming up right around the corner. That is Super Bowl Sunday. We're all pulling for the 49ers. few of us here are pulling for the Chiefs, the AFC side. But we're hoping it'll be a Chiefs and 49er game. But we're having the Super Party anyway. We are going to be here no matter who's playing in the game. Uh, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, bring a side dish or some of your favorite snack to share. Uh, enjoy the game in the Fellowship Hall and in the... Um, in the sanctuary, we're gonna have it on the big screen. Uh, th that's for those of you that get kind of intense and you don't want a lot of noise around. That's where I'll be. And also the ladies are putting together some game tables. There'll be those who don't really give a rip about a football game, but they just wanna to be together and play some games. We're gonna be doing all of that here at the church, uh, February 13th. It's gonna be a lot of fun. We, we use this as a good opportunity just to get together, uh, to eat together and enjoy one another's company. Please come, be with us. It's going to be a lot of fun. God bless you. I hope you enjoy the message. So, oh, I guess I better turn. It's last week's message. Sorry, podcast listeners. I didn't prepare. Well, I did, but I didn't prepare well. First Corinthians, we're actually going to try to do chapters 2 and 3 today. You say, well, Pastor, that's like a lot, two chapters in one setting. Well, yes, it is, but chapter 2 is only 16 verses, and chapter 3 is only 23 verses. And the guy who broke them up into chapters and verses, he missed it on this one. It all should have been chapter 2. That's just my opinion, because right in the middle of a thought was the end of the chapter. But, well, you got to keep reading. So we're going to go right through, if we have time, to go through both chapters 2 and chapter 3. The design of this chapter is the same as the concluding of 1 Corinthians chapter 1 to show that the gospel does not depend on the success of human wisdom. It does not depend on the success of human wisdom uh, or human success. The gospel does not depend on that. And the Apostle Paul makes that perfectly clear. We'll see in chapter 2, a reference to his own example as having been successful among them there at Corinth or by, not by commanding address 
although we know that he has that capability, but he's pointing to the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Apostle Paul is talking plainly. We know Paul well enough, because we went through the whole book of uh, the book of Acts, that he has the ability and the knowledge of the Old Testament scripture to, to blow anybody away. We know that he has that. And we know that he has the ability to talk about philosophy and of the Greek culture. We've seen that in Acts chapter 17, when he was walking through Athens and he saw all these statues and all these things that they were they called gods. And then he sees this one that was the statue to the unknown God. He thought, ha there's our God. And he knew enough about their philosophy and their belief to be able to use that to minister to them. But here, the Apostle Paul chooses to come in very humbly to show that this is the Holy Spirit. This is not me. We all have human faults. We, we all have problems. And here he's writing to them about when he came to them the first time. He's not there. He's writing this letter to the Corinth church. He's actually in Ephesus where he's writing. So let's look. I want to take you back a little bit. We have enough time to 1 Corinthians 26 through 31 to kind of so we can pull chapter 1 and chapter 2 in together. Verse 26 says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not too many were wise not many of you were wise by human standards, and not many were influential, and not many were noble at birth. Pay attention to what he's saying. Do you guys remember who you were when you were called? I remember who I was. You wouldn't have me sitting on a stool in front of y'all. You know, you just wouldn't. But God had a different message in mind. Verse 27 says, But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Verse 28, God chose the lowly things of this world and of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. Man, these are some incredible study scriptures. Go back and read these on your own. Word by word, just take it in. God's going to use you. You crazy human being, because we all are. We all have faults. We all have problems. We all have issues. And yet God has the ability to use those foolishness things to do great things in this world. Verse 29 says, he does it so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and our redemption. Amen. Therefore, thank you for that, amen. Therefore, it is written, let the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. So this is where he ended chapter one. Now we're gonna move into 1 Corinthians 2, verse one. And remember, the Bible wasn't broke up into chapters and verses. This is a narrative. It just flows. It just goes right on. It's the same letter. It, he didn't stop there, and we'll pick that thought up next week like we do. So he continues saying, verse 1, he says, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence of human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. Verse 2, 
For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Can we get an amen? amen? That's all we came to do is to talk about him who is crucified. I came to you in weakness and with great fear and trembling. Paul continued there in Corinth for 18 months. We read that in Acts 18. And he said he came in weakness, in conscious feebleness, different from his own powers and not trusting on his own strength, but in fear and in much traveling, trembling. Paul had understood that he had many enemies to encounter back in Acts 18. Remember when he shook his garments off and said, your blood is on your own heads because they didn't receive his message. It troubled him in his own natural abilities as a public speaker. He knew how much the Greeks valued a manly and elegant specs of oratory. That word just tied me all up. And he therefore delivered the message with deep and anxious solitude as to the success through his own fear. It was at this time and the view of those circumstances that the Lord spoke to him by night in a vision and said these words. This is back Acts 18 uh, verses 9 and 10 says, Be not afraid, but speak and hold thy peace. For I am with thee, and no man shall set thee, shut on thee and hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. It's hard for me to get my head around the Apostle Paul being weak. But he was. How can you say that pastor with such confidence? Because he was a human being just like you and me. It was hard for me to get my head around thinking of him and his weakness. But he is as most ministers are. And Paul sometimes trembled in deep solitude about the result of his message. As well do most ministers tremble also. And I speak from my own experience. This is a crack in my armor. I often get scared and insecure of what I'm about to say. I constantly question myself and my own ability. And why? Because I don't have any. Let's be real about it. I don't have any ability. And it gets pretty frightening at times knowing that you've got to go up and deliver the living word of God and trust on the Holy Spirit. Because in myself, I can't do it. My own inability to read fluently and to convey the gospel the way it makes sense. When I'm successful in this, it's not me, but the Holy Spirit in me. Can I get an amen? Amen. And I'll tell this to my visitor just so they understand. I couldn't read. 20 years ago, I couldn't read a lick. Maybe at best, first or second grade level. Dick and Jane. And it's the Holy Spirit that taught me to read the living word of God. And even today, because I'm dyslexic, I still stumble around and have, uh, you know, I wrote word, I practice 10 times. I look at it and can't read it a bit. That's just God. I just rebuke it and keep moving on. When you hear me stumble, just shout out the word. I'll keep right on going. It was with much circumstances and with such feelings that the Lord met with him to encourage Paul, and he encourages us too. And it was when ministers feel like this, the promises of the gospel 
are immeasurably precious. If I might add, it is then and only then when I am successful, when the Holy Spirit works through me. So let's go back to verse four. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, even though we know the Apostle Paul was wise and he had persuasive words, but that he wasn't working and operating on his own abilities, but with demonstration of the Spirit's power is how the Apostle Paul felt, the Apostle Paul felt that he was preaching. You want to witness to the Spirit's power. Just come and see, because you guys know I have no ability to do this. Let's look at verse 5. So that's your faith might rest, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. The gospel has been proved from age to age that it is from God. Every truly converted sinner experiences such a demonstration. And in every instant, it produces peace, hope, joy, and it comes from heaven. Can I get an amen? amen. At one time, we were all sinners, lost, struggling, filled with all kinds of issues, from being drug addicts to alcoholics to being porn addicts. I mean, just it's just a just a gateway of problems. Verse 6, he says, We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of the age, because who are coming to nothing. You know, I thought about this when I read that scripture. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, I expect you to be mature. We're all growing in some place in our Christian life and our walk, but I, I expect you to hear it as mature Christians. And this is what the Apostle Paul was saying to the Corinthian church. I knew who you were when I left. And I expect that you would receive this as mature Christians, but not of the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. And I got to thinking about that. You know, so often I'll bring political issues into my message. And for that, I apologize because I'm wrong. I am wrong to bring anything of this world into my message. I am here to preach the living word of God, not whether I'm a Republican or Democrat. That is a mute point. It simply does not matter. Political options mean nothing. My job is to vote my conscience at the voting polls and to preach the gospel here in this church of Jesus Christ. And every once in a while, I'll slip one out, and I apologize for that, and forgive me when I do, if I allow my political view to, you know, kind of work its way into my message, because I was going to say because I'm right, but I'm not going to go out there. God forgive me. Verse 7 no, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God designed for our glory before time began. We read this and we blow right on past this word, disdained, never giving it a thought. 
No, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and from God disdained for our glory. What does that mean? Pre-planned, predetermined, foreordained. The Greek word is proorizo. The New King James uses the word ordained for that, that he was ordained before we were ever born. It's pre-planned. He knows who we are. He knows who's going to serve him. He knows, and it's there in his word. Verse 8 says, None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. However, it is written, What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. He was quoting Isaiah 64, 4. I just love that. Verse 10 says, These are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. And the Spirit searches the things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Verse 12. What we have received is not the spirit of this world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. What he's saying here is when you came to believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you accepted him as your Lord and Savior, you have the spirit of God now living with the, not the spirit of this world. You have changed. Maybe you don't realize you've changed, but you have changed. And you are in the process of changing. Because now the Spirit of God is living within within you. Verse 13, it says, This is what we speak, not in words through us by human wisdom, but in words thought by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. Verse 14, the person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only thought through the spirit. This is what is called the natural man. The natural man cannot discern godly things. He just can't. He's the natural man without accepting Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. He cannot understand. This is all foolishness. Have you ever been told that? That, you know, your Christianity is just a bunch of foolishness. It's for weak-minded people who can't make it any other way. I'm seeing some heads nod. You can't make it any other way, so you turn to God. It's because you're weak-minded. No, it's because they don't have understanding of spiritual things. God is a spiritual God. The Bible is a spiritual book. And we have to have the spirit of the living God in us for us to be able to understand. That's the natural man, a person without God and the things of God just appear to him as foolishness. Verse 15, the person with the spirit makes judgment about all things. But such a person is not subject to merely human judgment. This is the supernatural man. How many of those we got in here? 
You better raise your hand. It's all of you. We're supernatural people. We have the spirit of the living God living inside of us. And we see things through our spiritual eyes, through the spirit that God has put inside of us. This is the man who has the spirit of God living inside him. Verse 16, for who has known the mind of God as so to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Remember who the Apostle Paul is speaking to. He's talking to Christians, born-again believers. He's writing to the Corinthian church, the church in Corinth, and to the church here in Tuolumne. This is who he's writing to. Now we're going to go to chapter 3. 1 Corinthians 3, 1. He says, brothers and sisters, it just keeps flowing through. He's in the same thought. He's talking about spiritual man, the unspiritual man, and now we're going to talk about another one. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. They're saved. They accepted Christ, but they have not grown in their faith. The New King James Version calls this a carnal person, a carnal Christian. There are many, many Christians. I'm not saying they're not saved. Remember, I didn't say that, and neither did Paul. But they're still living with one foot in the world and one foot in Christianity. They've accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. You know what they are? They're playing out weird. Because when they're not here, they're living in the world. They're still going to the bars. They're still drinking. They're still doing all the things that worldly people do. And yet they come to church and they praise God and they love God with all their heart. God calls them, the Apostle Paul was calling them here, carnal Christians. He says in verse 2, he says, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready. Indeed, you're still not ready. You notice how the first chapter and the second chapter, he was really being kind of nice. And all of a sudden, chapter 3 just rolls over into like second verse here. And all of a sudden, he's slapping us around. He said, you're still not ready. You've accepted me. You accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That was a couple of years back. And I couldn't feed you solid food then. You were just baby Christians. You were just coming along. And now I come back and I hear that you're still baby Christians. You still can't take the solid food. You're still not ready to accept the things of God. You are carnal. NIV says you are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, you are, are you not worldly? Are you not carnal? Are you not acting like mere humans? Now, let me throw in a little disclaimer, church, because I love you guys so much. This is the most unified church I've ever been in. And I say that with wholeheartedly. There, we are so incredibly unified going in one direction and I believe that's why God has blessed us. That's why this building is paid for. We're in great unity, and I appreciate you. You know, I, I just found out just this last week that another Baptist church in our community, the pastor's leaving. Last day is today. Last day at his church. A church just like ours. And it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. And I said, Pastor, why? Why? And he said, I can't go into it. I just know that I have to get out. I can't stay. 
it's for the sake of my wife and I and my our family, we've got to leave. And the Lord will provide whatever their need is. Broken and hurt. And it just breaks my heart. It happens all the time. So church, I want to commend you and hug you all with a spiritual hug. I love you guys. You know, and, and you're not afraid to come and talk to me. And that's what is so vital. You know, if, if, if I say something that just doesn't seem to be quite right, come to me. We'll talk about it. We'll open up the word of God together. That's what I loved about your dad so much. Because I was back in the days when I was really kind of kind of green. You know, I would say some things. He'd come to me and he said, that was a good job, but I didn't agree with you. And we would sit down. We'd get together in the evening. We'd read the word of God. And we would come to a place where, well, that makes sense. I just need to say it like that. And he goes, yes, that's it. That's unity. When people can stand together and work together and not fight or quarrel amongst one another. But that's what was happening. And it's happening in churches all around us. Praise God that it isn't here. But you know what? Some new person could come in and just ruin the whole thing. That's all it takes. If you ever find that perfect church, don't go there. Because you'll probably ruin it. You know, because we're human beings. We think differently, we act differently, and, and you just never know which one's going to turn the, you know, the card upside down. But with this group, we'll handle it. We'll love one another and, and love each other through whatever we have to go through. And I praise God. I, I thank God for where we're at. What verse are we on? Number four. For no one says, <clears throat> for when one says, I follow Paul and I follow Apollos. Are you not mere human beings? He's saying, are you not being carnal? Well, we're Baptists here and we're going to follow the Baptist way. Well, you know, just shut up. I follow Jesus Christ. I'm your Baptist preacher, but I follow him. And not some name, not some denomination. Half of the guys I hang out with are my Pentecostal brothers. They think I'm crazy. And I just love them to death and that's okay. We don't have to agree on everything except for one thing, and it's going to come out in this message. You just hold on. It says, verse 5, What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. Verse 6, he says, I planted the seed. Apollos watered it. But God is making it grow. It's God who brings forth the plant. It's God who causes you to grow. I praise God. My two visitors, I know you guys just tell, you guys are glowing. You're born again Christian. Someone else planted the seed in you. Now you come in here today and God blesses me enough to pay to pour some water on you. You know, so that you begin to grow in your knowledge of Jesus Christ and, and the God who loves you so much. Verse 7 says, So neither one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. Verse 8, The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they each be re rewarded according to their own labor. Yes, amen. Verse 9, For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field of God's building. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field. You're that fertile soil. And you are God's building. 
Verse 10, for by the grace God has given me, I laid the foundation as a wise builder and someone else is building on it, but each one should build with care. I love this. Again, the Apostle Paul, I feel like he's speaking directly to me. I have to build with care, not with my political views or what I think is going on with our nation, but on his spiritual truths that can address the problems we have in our nation. Amen? Amen. We can make a difference not as a Republican or as a Democrat, but as Christians. That's where we should be making the difference. As Christians. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Christ Jesus. And praise God, you know, that we do have different churches in our community that do things a little bit differently. As long as they believe in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, I don't care what name they want to put over. I'm their brother. You're their brother. You're their sister. And we need to support them as well as they need to support us. Verse 12 says, Anyone, if anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw. Verse 13, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. Well, pastor, should I be scared about that? No, you should not. Continue to build on that foundation of Christ Jesus. He said there that some will build with hay and straw, but we know that's flammable. Some will build with precious stones and rocks, which are not flammable. He says in verse 14, if what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. Praise God. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved. Praise God. Even though only as one escaping through the flames. I don't know about you. I don't want to get to heaven smelling like smoke. I, I, I just don't. I don't want to get to heaven smelling like smoke, but praise God if I'm there, I'm there. Praise God. We want to build with care. He says in verse 16, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? Verse 17, if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person for God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple man when i read that it really got to me tony and i said when you together we make up his temple it says we're not in this alone so if we see somebody that is destroying the temple because they they're still smoking cigarettes i don't condemn them but it's my job to help them i don't want them to die early I don't want them to, to, you know, have something go on that could have been avoided. So as a group, we, we work together, we pull together, we unite together because we are together God's temple and we're supposed to take care of one another. Can I get an amen? amen. Please see this. Together, we are the temple together. It says we take care of each other. We need each other. 
This is what I've learned over the years. The Lord removed me from pastoral ministry. I need the fellowship of other pastors. I need it. I need my friends in Christ, guys that I can actually turn to and say, this really bites. And, and they'll put their arm around me and say, yeah, it does. There aren't, there aren't many things in ministry that are really quite, very pretty. It's hard work. And I need it. I cannot do this alone. Because my life is not mine. It's his. And I'm happy to be the bottom of the list, supporting and praying for my brothers and sisters in ministry, in their ministry, wherever they're at. When I'm supporting what they're doing, I'm building with stones that will never burn. That means we carry one another and we support one another. He said in verse 18, do not deceive yourselves if any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age. You should become fools so that you may become wise. Wow. You know, people of this age will say, well, you know, them Christians, they just, they just, they're intolerant. You know, they won't tolerate what the rest of the world says is okay. Yeah? Because we go by the word of God. It may look like foolishness to you, but it's life-giving power to us. And not everybody's going to believe. I'm sorry. I wished everybody would. I wish there was a magic pill we could give to every person. And they would just believe who God is and that he is real. But it doesn't work that way. Verse 19 says, For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight, as it is written, as it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. If there's someone in your life that's cheated you because of their craftiness, <laughs> pray for them. Pray for them. Say, God, go easy on them, because I, now I know. Now I have the spirit of the living God in me. And we need to pray for those because God's going to get them. He's going to take care of business. Verse 20, he says, And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise are futile. They may be boasting. Their thoughts may be their political ideas may just sound like, you know, a great thing. But he says they're just futile. Verse 21, So then nothing, so then, no more boasting about human leaders. This is what the Apostle Paul is telling. And no more boasting about your leaders. No more talking about the Republicans or Democrats. I'm tired. I'm tired of the whole thing. Talk about me. Talk about Jesus. Talk about what he has done. All things are yours. He said in verse 22, whether Paul or Apollos or Caphius, which is Peter, or the world, life or death, or present or future, all are yours. And you are of Christ, and Christ is of God. We went through two chapters, and that's only 10 minutes to 12. Praise God, you get to go home early. Amen. Isn't it amazing, though? He's being so upfront. I want you guys to read through chapters 2 and 3 again on your own at home. Read through them and think about it. Let him speak directly to you. Am I being carnal? And I don't want anybody to raise their hand. I'm not asking you to answer. Am I being carnal when I go home and watch football game? No, I'm not. 
Now, let me think. If the 49ers lose and I'm crying, I might be being a little bit carnal there. Because it's just a man that game play. A, a game that men play. Did I say that backwards? I think it is. Sorry, that podcast people. You know, I turn things around all the time. 